and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, you know it's a big Friday, Tim. What, what are you pointing at over here? You're like frantically because, moving around. Well, our, our guest here, the great Kevin Zimmerman, just yeah. informed me he has no headphones. No, so was, we're bringing him. We're bringing him. That's how I you was, know it's a big Friday. I was pointing to a place in the <laughs> studio that may have headphones. I can uh, hear you speaking now, so we're, we're in front Okay, of yeah, so as long as we just yell really loud, because this is radio from the 1930s. Uh, that was my intro. Kevin Zimmerman is here. That's how you know it's a big Radio Friday. from the 1930s, see? Let's welcome in Kevin Zimmerman. <laughs> Why aren't you doing the whole show like that? Yes. If you can do it he's in that to, voice. He's here to talk to about the basketball five. <laughs> All right, Kevin, you heard the man talk about the basketball five. Uh, look, we got the NBA draft coming up next Thursday, and the the feeling around the Suns is just like, yeah, whatever, the draft's coming up, and San Antonio got Victor Webanyama, and we hate everything. Um, but you had a story up on, on ArizonaSports.com, and I know you, got, you talked about this on the Empire of the Suns podcast with uh, with Kellen Olsen. There's, there's potential moves for the Suns to make on draft nights. For sure. And I mean, when you look at why are we talking about potentially trading DeAndre Ayton? Why are we talking about them maybe releasing Chris Paul? Because they need to fill out a roster and it's tough to do um, salary wise. And who's on the cheapest salaries? Rookies. Yeah. You have the 52nd pick. Um, if there's any way you could either move up or just trade in higher, um, you, you got to look at it and you got to look at a draft class that, you know, I, I personally can't say I've watched a ton of college basketball knowing all the. 60 guys who will go but there are a lot of you know guys who have been in you know college basketball for four or five years even who you can plug in might be able to play a role right away shooters defenders um and and so you got to look at the value there for this team that's cash strapped what would the realistic cost be to move up to a pick in the 20s yeah, 20s is tough, and, and you look at the list of teams there, a lot of the teams that are in the back end of the first round are already bad teams who have traded with good teams, <laughs> so you have to look at who has a lot of picks. Charlotte has a ton of picks, like in the 30s, um, so that might be a thing where it's just like you can't draft like five guys. Um, Memphis has a loaded roster already where they also have a couple later round picks, so maybe you slide up a little bit just to get a guy that you want. I, I think it'd be really hard to get into the first round for this team. Um, oh, okay. You you would have to maybe trade a salary or a rostered player like Landry Shamit campaign to a team that might find value there. Um, and again, it's there are not a lot of winning teams there, so I, I think it's going to be really hard to move up that high, but we'll see. Cash considerations, if that's a trade asset, you could consider that too. Sure, but uh, Kevin, like, what are the odds, though? I, I guess you could get lucky, but what are the odds, though, you could get somebody in the 30s when you when when you're talking about a team that's win, trying to win a championship, you're going to get a rookie in the in the 30s that could be a contributor on a team that's trying to win a championship. I mean, I, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but when you're talking about what are the odds of that happening? Well, you're talking about a bench guy too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly a bench guy. Yeah, but you're talking about a top eight nine player 
on a team that has designs on a championship. It's tough, yeah. Right. I mean, you got to hit, and you got to find a guy who has you know ready to go skills, whether that's shooting, whether that's you know he's going to be a good defender and is smart and is going to pick up things quickly. I mean, um, one guy who I've kind of looked at is Miami's Jordan Miller, who you know he doesn't have a ton of potential as like he three and D guy, but played five years in college. Obviously, like being from Miami, James Jones probably watched all of his games, um, and and if you believe he shot like fifty five percent can stroke the three can take it off the dribble a little bit long um wing so if you see that prototypical guy who will fit on any team and give you value whether you know if it's a ninth man to get you through the season he probably isn't going to play in the conference finals finals and all that but you never know and so i think those are the types of guys that they really got to look at and say okay we can rely on this guy if we have to game here game there and again it's it's a salary too it's if you get a ninth tenth guy that is on a rookie deal that's that's huge for this team. You mentioned Charlotte, too. They have the 41st pick. And I don't know if you guys heard this 9,000 times in the last three weeks, but that's where Nikola Jokic was drafted. So it's a simple solution. Um, talking to Kevin Zimmerman, host of the Empire of the Suns podcast, editor at uh, ArizonaSports.com. Kevin, how does DeAndre Ayton fit into all this? Because aside from just, hey, it's draft night, and that's when moves kind of start to happen. And, and look, he can still veto stuff until early July. But you wouldn't just be trading him for picks anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's tough, too, where even the 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 rumors about them trading him for, like, the third or top five pick, I, I don't think it's going to be realistic because also you have to assume that that rookie is going to be that good of a player for a championship-caliber team, so I don't know why you would do that even if you're the Suns. So, I don't know. It's going to have to be one of those three-team deals where you look at how much chaos could happen. The Brad Beal rumors the other day whatever is happening with Zion, you know, all these little things, James Harden, where he ends up, all these things are going to kind of domino and snowball. And if that happens on draft night where some team calls the Suns and say, hey, we found a third team to take him and we'll give you some role players to help your championship run or whatever as we're trading a star, that's how that could happen. But that's like too crazy and conceptual and guessing what's going to happen. But but that's where I think there is realistic opportunity, I think, for them. One name I hear linked to the Suns quite a bit, uh, Kevin, even if they don't trade up, is Amoni Bates, the kid out of eastern Michigan, uh, who began his career at Memphis. Well, I believe, uh, coming out of high school, may, may have been the number one ranked high school player in the country at one point. I mean, he's yeah. tall, he's lean, he can shoot the three, he's had a little bit of a checkered past. Um, how much have you studied him? Uh, he would be the ultimate flyer, right, at 52, kind of a boomer bust type yeah. guy, uh, not only basketball-wise, but character-wise. Uh, what do you know about him, and do you think that might be a guy the Suns may take a flyer on at 52, or even if they move up to the to the 30s or 40s? Yeah, him. he's super interesting because, like you said, he was a top prospect. They would put him on TV. He was on a game with Chet Holgram I watched a few years ago, um, a year younger in class. Um, but everything about the scoring, people made KD comparisons. I don't think I'd go that far. Um, not efficient at Eastern Michigan or Memphis in his two years in college, but definitely the skill sets there and the shootings there, where if you put him like under KD, with KD, maybe a few years down the road he'll learn, but again, that's one of those where it's like, how much is he going to help him this year? He, he wasn't even 190 um, pounds at the combine, I think, so he'd be super limited and like, can you even throw him 
next to Devin Booker. Um, probably not unless Book's playing point and that kind of thing. And again, it's it's can you project that he'll develop quickly? And that's right. hard to say because he was playing low level D one competition at Eastern Michigan, and that's just a long road to get him up to par. I think, but but the talent obviously is still there. I mean, it's going to be tough if they stay at fifty two. It's going to be tough to get anybody that's going to be able to quote unquote help them right this year. I mean, would you would you agree? I mean, they would have yeah. to get so freaking lucky, as, right? Yeah. <laughs> as Kellen Olson has kind of pointed out when I was talking with him about this on the podcast, you know, that's kind of in that range where things really drop off and teams or agents start telling teams, don't draft my player at 52 because he's going to sign you know, exhibit 10 or a two-way contract. Um, and the, like the Lou Dort situation, like he should have been a second-round pick, but he was basically like, no, I'm going to sign with the Thunder and, and have my situation very well set up. So that's where that gets wonky and where you know lots of teams take flyers on guys draft overseas guys so yeah i think realistically if you can somehow package the 52 maybe cash and something and just move up you know even eight spots where you start to get into okay this guy started slipping he could have been a late first rounder that's where you start getting into realistic the suns could be making a little noise in the draft uh talking to kevin zimmerman kevin based on just anything you're hearing you know we played a cut earlier in the show of Woj on with ryan rosillo saying the trade market might be a little bit thinner for deandre Ayton than the suns were expecting but you know going back to the fact that he can still veto anything until early july in your opinion or what you've been hearing do you think deandre ayton would would block trades like if they could come up with a trade on draft night and and it could be the scenario that you were talking about where a third team gets involved is that really that much of a consideration or a concern that da would be like no i don't want to move the the weirdest part is we don't know how he views frank vogel right if he's having good conversations with him um if frank vogel actually says to the Suns, like i think i can get more out of this guy like he told us um when he was introduced i think that's the big thing to look at right now um as far as da I, I don't know like we always talked about like it seems like it's either him or monty williams who will go first and since monty williams went what what is his mindset? What is his? What's happening in his brain? What does he want? What does he desire? He wants to go to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea on that, and, and that's where I think it's more about what the market is for him, and the market probably isn't super great just because of I don't think he helped his stock at all in how he played. Um, like he got run over by Jokic, I think like Bam did, you know, like Rudy Gobert did. Like I don't know how much we should put on him for that series and how they did in the playoffs, but just the the not getting close to what he looked like a few years ago was the concern. Um, and and you really have to have a team that's going to give up something, and that's where I think it is more about okay, three team deals where someone just takes a flyer like. I honestly think a team like San Antonio could like look at him. They have money to spend. They're not going anywhere super soon. But if you have the number one pick and you get Wembenyama and you put Aiden as a center and you say, okay, well, at least we have a pretty good center and a pretty good young power forward in Wembenyama, then suddenly you give Pop 
you know, some really intriguing pieces. That so that's, is scary. That's, <laughs> if there's some way to f- do something like that, I think that's the type of team that could really take a look and say, yeah, yeah you know, he has too many years on his contract, paid a little too much, but we have no reason not to just to get a little better and start, you know, getting going and getting fans excited. By the way, Jokic in the playoffs destroyed Gobert, Towns, yeah. Ayton, Anthony Davis, and Bay. Yes. I mean, First round Everybody. picks and probably the best defensive center that like. I yeah. mean, yeah. Oh, so I don't know. There is no Jokic. Well, and Rudy, Rudy Gobert, I believe, got like the biggest trade return in the history of sports, and he just went right through him too. So right. I mean, that part's part. Don't just don't Minnesota. make a trade like that just to stop that guy. Like yeah. you're not going to. You're not going to find a, a Jokic stopper. Kevin, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, man.